two podcasts uh, recorded simultaneously through the magic of, I'm not sure what, it's Carcon Carne, presented by the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston. I'm James Van Osdell. As I'm recording Carcon Carne, as we're eating food from Big and Littles in Lakeview tonight, we're also recording... Make us a mixtape. Sponsored by no car company. So if you're a car company out there, or Mazda, we would love a car. Yes, I'm Paul Farvar. Marty DeRosa. We uh, had James Van Osdell make us a mixtape. And uh, they can only have five songs, which I know a lot of people have a hard time with. And you... Well, because it's bullshit. The most. You've had the most You've had trouble. the most trouble. We've never had uh, a podcast guest cause... Uh, or, or raise such... Uh, a lot of profanities were used. <laughs> calling us tyrants. The tyranny of your rules. We can't have a six-hour podcast. Can't you? It's Car Con Carne. As we're talking about this, yes. uh, this is where the podcasts commingle. Uh, every week on Car Con Carne, I and a guest or guests uh, eat and talk in the car. We do an interview as we eat. Uh, you guys chose this place, Big and Little. Yes. I've Marty never been. Did. I have. It's my favorite uh, neighborhood place to get very good uh, tacos and burgers uh, and the Merck's dog, which I got. Did anyone else get the Merck's dog? I got the shrimp po' boy okay. and Cajun fries. Okay, there you I go. I got a burger and a taco, but yeah. I didn't get the dog. Very reliable tacos, decent price. And with uh, interesting meats. Like yes. They have a, a gyro taco, and they've got all kinds of uh, interesting spins on pretty conventional food. Yeah. I, I want to try the burger because I, 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 I like to think I know where all the good burgers are in Chicago. What's your favorite place? Uh, I like Portillo's Burger. I really do. I think it's underrated. A lot of people uh, fight me. Um, it's, a and, coward's, it's a coward's move, Paul. It's not a it coward's is, move. It's it a coward's move. Saying fight me or no, Portillo's? No, saying the Portillo's. Nah, I think, I, you know what? Saying it saying it like a cheval is, I think, is is a, is a sissy move. And I and, and I, you already know, James, my burrito place, because we did it mm-hmm. when we did uh, the show. Three years ago. Before you had uh, this elaborate setup. When he this did, is very yeah, elaborate. This, I'm so impressed. Three years this. ago. Thanks, I just want a car to podcast in my car like this. This is all. I want to do. Three years ago, James had a Datsun 210. That's exactly and, right. And uh, we had those old tape recorders, and you were you were recording with a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we got the idea for Make Us a Mixtape, to be honest. so We stole it. We so stole explain it. the premise of Make Us a Mixtape. I guess it is self-explanatory. Marty? Uh, we have uh, our guest come in, and they make us a five-song mixtape or, you know, a, a playlist. No one makes mixtapes anymore. Kids except, call it, us millennials call it We playlists. had a, uh, a guest on who uh, is a, a a diehard Gen Xer and he made us a actual CD yes. mix. It was amazing to see. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to play it. I haven't listened <laughs> I'll to, have to it yet. figure it out. Maybe my DVD player. I'm not sure. But we have people play them. Uh, they can be just my f- current five favorite songs, my all-time favorite songs. Any theme. It could be a, a narrative or whatever. And uh, it's interesting to sort of hear our friends' musical tastes, some good, some bad. Some it's just like, what are these songs that you're playing on yeah. there? Um yeah, the levels of passion uh, for songs up and down. Some are just like, well, it's just what I've listening to. And it's like, oh, I'd hear about them. I don't know, just Spotify or whatever. <laughs> and then other people are like, this band is my life. This saved my life. This was here when I needed them. Right. So it's kind of interesting to get the the whole span of uh, of our friends. Soundtracks some good, of some bad lives. taste Yeah, in music. 
Well, see, I, I think the whole bad taste thing is almost BS because, you know, for years when we were young and vitriolic, there was that idea that people had guilty pleasures. Like, there are things you shouldn't like, you should feel guilty about. I think, and maybe you guys don't agree, but I think as we age, the idea of a guilty pleasure kind of becomes silly and ludicrous, that something isn't as... <laughs> like, people would argue that my love for Rush constitutes a guilty pleasure. They're wrong. I love Rush. <laughs> okay. I think that we're in this day and age now, too, where you're able to like what you like so much. You know, where in, in the day, like, I love wrestling, and in the day there were people who might have been like, well, I can't tell people I'm a wrestling fan. But now it's everybody's, yeah. whatever everybody's into, they they just, like, wear it so proudly. And I think with bands, too, it's like, what it, what is the the bands you're supposed to be okay that you like and the bands you don't? I would rather have somebody who is obsessed with you know, fish or whatever, or, or then somebody right. who is like, eh, music's whatever. Like, I, I can't fathom how people aren't passionate about music. Sure. Um, but we've had people on the podcast who are just kind of like, yeah, these yeah. are songs I like. And it's kind of like, well, how, yeah, how can you be how indifferent you to it? okay about music? That's the thing. Like, even when you, whatever art you're in, like, the one thing, I rather someone hate my comedy or hate or, you know, love it, but to be like indifferent, like not memorable. Yeah. That's kind of the, that's kind of a crappy place to be. But, I will say that uh, I agree with Marty. I think people, there is no guilty pressure anymore, but there are people that should be shamed for some of their choices. Is it <laughs> ASMR time here on the podcast? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, boy. Now, we could start eating. When you guys eat food, do you go with the thing you're going to like the most first or last? I usually start entree and then work my way around the sides come back to the entree I okay i know some people will do one yeah my cousin thing at a time one, all of it makes one me thing nuts. and then moves on to I, the next thing i do that too i like to do i don't like to mix flavors so but i like fries and burgers i'll do at the same time but let the record show i chose something that cannot be consumed in the car let alone without any kind of silverware or yeah that's a dangerous uh, what was i thinking that feels like you take one bite and it's going to explode i'm going to have to turn this into hand food and like whittle my way down to to where I'm just at a bun. Uh, this is the shrimp po' boy, and it's it's hefty, and it smells really good too. Yeah, I got the. I'm like, gonna start with the Mexican uh, short rib. I have the Japanese short rib, which is one of my uh, hangover favorites. <laughs> they also do like a fake Big Mac, which I love. And I thought back in the day when I was in like junior high, my idea was to open up a restaurant which had like fancy versions of fast food like i would mm -hmm. have like a fancy big mac and a fancy you know uh like crunch wrap supreme and stuff like that and i feel like now that's kind of what i think i was ahead of my time i never went to cooking school also but now there's a lot of places that are like this place has like a fake not fake mm -hmm. it's it's the, just the big mac but it's better i feel like that's a food challenge on every fifth food network show mm -hmm. would that be your idea marty where where you would be like you would just go to mcdonald's and just change the the spread so somebody told me there's a new thing where you go you can go to mcdonald's and you order the big mac but for the meat you get the, the meat from the quarter pounder and it has some name that i can't think of right now it's a secret. but it's like a secret menu item huh. and, i love um, i love a quarter pounder yeah i don't eat them that often yeah totally i i, I enjoy it every time i have it I mean the consistency. Mm -hmm. I see. I was a Big Mac guy. I still am. I think if you're going to go to McDonald's, the Big Mac's the way to go. What do you say is the big best burger in Chicago? Mm. I, I've never had a bad burger at Kumas. Never. In fact, Kumas is one of those places. I, I think it's always dependable. I, All I, of I love them are a specific location. 
mean, it's consistent. I mean, the, the menu is the same if you go to Vernon Hills, if you go to Schaumburg, probably Indianapolis. I'm going to trust that's true. Um, Kuma's is a place when tour, tourists or people from out of town come to Chicago and say, where can I go that's a Chicago place? It's not a touristy place. Really? I send them to Kuma's. I say Portillo's. No, you <laughs> would send them to it. The menu is so great. No, I, I like to go to Kuma's at like right before they close and no one's in there and you get your food real quick. Yeah. Um, I think every, you know, and I like uh, if you have to use the bathroom at, at um, Kuma's, the music is so loud, there's no judging. <laughs> and I think that they should play heavy metal in every bathroom everywhere. Agreed. So there's no judging at all when, mm-hmm. you're, when you're doing your thing. Yeah, Portillo's, I love it, but... Too touristy? Mm. I think that's a cop-out. Now, as far as places on, like, a Big and Little's level or kind of a neighborhood burger joint, I love Fatso's. I think I, that place is fantastic. Um, Paradise Pup and Displains is delightful. I've heard about that place. I've never been. Mm-hmm. How are the cheeseburgers at Cheeseburger in Paradise? I've never been. <laughs> uh, not as good as Margaritaville. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Where's your burger place, Marnie? Uh, you know, remember how you said Oshawal? Yeah. I kind of really like that place. <laughs> yeah, I really like that place a lot. But it's like one, I go there like once a year. I keep it's like a treat to me. I don't like having to wait too long for food. Yeah. I, I don't like being on a wait list and killing time and watching people eat. I get antsy. Like I just kind of want to go in and get served. Yeah, when there's too much like you know, like I'll a friend that will go to like the Violet Hour or something. That I'm like, why well, I don't want to wait and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like big stars like that too. Like they're you sometimes you have to wait for their. It's just I'm like, how long does it take to just make a taco? It's good though. One exciting thing you'll get to experience as you edit this podcast for yourself. We don't edit. We just play. <laughs> well, you get the the rich, bold, vibrant sounds of gentlemen eating on microphone. Yeah, <laughs> which you've not had up until this point. No. Um, I will tell you, when you're editing or not editing, at home, listening in headphones, it is delightful. It's heartwarming. People like it? Oh, they love it. Yeah. It's like the AMSR. We had unbox- We did some unboxing videos, uh, me and a buddy, and uh, for a, a wrestling, kind of like monthly, subsur- a monthly subscription service, and uh, people said they enjoyed like hearing the cardboard rip and stuff with headphones. It was very soothing. So, Some people have, uh, there's, a, I forgot what it's called. But, uh, a fetish. No, the, uh, the opposite, <laughs> where people can't handle the people chewing. Because oh, I yeah. had a segment sure. on WGN Radio with Patty where um, they'd be like, what is Paul eating? And people would have to guess oh, what I'm right. eating. Oh, that's right. Yes, I eat that. Oh, right. And so, but certain people hate it. Maybe that's hindering the growth of my podcast. Some people, mm-hmm. I forgot, it's a, there's a, it's a thing. Do people like seeing the food? Because this is, the, this is mm-hmm. my favorite item and this is like as little kid as it gets but this is just a hot dog with Merck's cheddar on oh, it wow. which is like I will eat my anything favorite. with Merck's cheddar yeah it's my favorite anything. so good mm-hmm. so mm. can we ask you about why you picked these five songs sure. I yeah we gotta get into out. it mm-hmm. how hard was it to put this list together as hard as you made it out to be I hate it um, well why? first you Please sent tell us a list us why. of 20 yes and we laughed well I didn't I didn't know there was a, a limit so the first thing I sent you was a list of 20 of my favorite songs. Okay. I listen to a lot of stuff. I, I am sure. Musically, I'm never... For those of you that don't know, James is a legend in the Chicago industry because we have... Not, I, not, it's not true, but I have been around for a while. <laughs> so I listen to a lot of stuff, and it's really hard. And, you know, it's cliche, but you know, my top 
10 or top 20 songs could change tomorrow. It, it really depends sure. on mood, environment, what I'm feeling, what I'm interested in. Uh, it, it does change day by day. And so I tried to give a real cross-section. I, I thought about eras, genres, uh, emotional <laughs> attachments. Yep. And I got that down to 20, and I was really proud of myself. And then I was denied. So I'd still like the whole 20. We could post the whole 20. Yes. But it'll be uh, an extra... Some of the songs that were on the on the top five weren't in the original twenty, though, right? Did you go a different direction? Different direction. That's so what I figured. So I, I, I tried to think thematically, and I was thinking um, top five obscure David Bowie songs. I grew up loving David Bowie. I wanted to go deep cuts on Bowie, but I thought that wasn't quite where my head is at, or who I'm who I am at this moment. Um, so then I thought, what's a good representation of me? What I like, where my passion is, and it comes. It always comes back to Chicago music. So. I tried to distill decades of sound, styles, etc. from Chicago into five songs, which is really hard. And one thing, I, you know, I do a local music show on 101 WKQX, and I'm often asked to do album reviews or song reviews for bands, and I'm very careful to not do that. I'm very careful to not show bias or favoritism in some way to bands, because it's not fair as I'm trying to embrace all Chicago bands. So. I went about this. I, I tried to find a band that is emblematic of the Chicago music I came to initially know. My my entry point to Chicago music. Okay. Um, I my work with Chicago music started in the 1990s, and I tried to find an artist that was emblematic of the 90s in that scene. And Marty and I were talking about this before we started recording this bonkers period in the 90s where everyone got a record deal. So I tried to find something that was representative of that. Um, and then I tried to find a couple modern examples of Chicago music where things might be going now. Not necessarily my favorites, things I really like, but artists that are indicative of what the scene is doing now. And also one that's been around for a while, but is still active in recording really, really good music. So that's it's, it's all about Chicago. But there's a lot of notable Chicago artists that are not on your list. Well, the, by design, list. you gave me okay. five slots. <laughs> if they made a movie about uh, the Chicago music scene in the 90s, who would you like to play you? <laughs> Nobody. I wouldn't want to be Come in that on, movie. Come you're on. The, you're, the, you're the narrator of this. Oh, if I'm the narrator. We're seeing it through your eyes. I, I Wow. I Excellent question, Marty. Thank you very much. Uh, one, one I've never given consideration to. Uh, we'll we'll circle back, as they say okay. in corporate America. Okay. okay. Very cool. Very cool. I'll, I'll ping lovely. you later. Can we play the first song that you have on this list here? Yeah. So you put, we started with uh, Treason by Naked Ray Gun. First thing I noticed about the, oh, let's play, so let's let's play, play, a, little. play a little bit. Yeah. I was going to hit the post, as they say in the, uh, they don't say that. <laughs> they don't say that. <laughs> okay. So Naked Ray Gun. This was really a band that was my tether into Chicago music. When I was in high school, this was the band I understood as the Chicago band. They had that look. They had the leather cop coats with the, literally, cop coats with the Chicago flag patches. They had the black boots, the flat tops. Jeff Pizzotti, one of the most compelling front men you'll ever see uh, on stage in Chicago with his whoa, whoa, whoa. Everything about Raygun screamed cool. Everything about Raygun made me interested to learn more uh, about Chicago music and the bands and see the bands. So that song, Treason, which was a modest, modestly successful single for, th for them. But not their biggest song. Probably not. I mean, maybe Rat Patrol, but um, Treason to me was a real gateway gateway 
to Chicago music. And I, I can't talk about Chicago music without stating the importance of Naked Ray Gun. Yeah, they're they're definitely like you said, and the the like, especially with punk bands in Chicago, they're like the one that everybody listens to. Oh, you said with the cop jackets, which you, I remember buying one at the alley, the old oh, yeah, location right, right down the street, right down right? The street. Mm-hmm. and that was kind of just like, okay, this is what it is, and I think this is a great sign to start a mix. Also, mm-hmm. it's like right out of the gate, we're like, okay, mm-hmm. did you think about that when you put the running order together? Come on now. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's a great, it's just a great song to start it off with. I used to um, give old people hearing tests and uh, give them hearing aids back in the day. And one of my patients, uh, I cannot remember what role they were in the band, but she's like, you probably don't know them, but my son is in a band. And she's like, it's called Naked Ray Gun. I know you've probably never heard of them. I'm like, of course I've heard of them. And she was blown away that I had heard of them. And I was like... I have no like. How would you not think that they're huge? But it's funny, I guess, you know. Punk bands sometimes fly under the radar in the in the big world out there. I was uh, recording at Riot Fest all uh, two weekends ago. Out there all three days, doing a bunch of interviews, which you can hear on carquincarney.com. I was wearing a ray gun shirt on the second day I was out there, which also happened to be the day I did the most interviews. Ninety nine percent of the bands I talked to were like ray gun, fucking love them, dude. It just it, everyone knows Naked yeah. Reagan, everyone, and the name. The name is the best too. The name what a great, is the best. What a great name! That's the best. Like such a good name, where it's like some bands you'll read like a you know biography on them or whatever, and they're like, oh, we were originally called this, and thank God we uh-huh. changed it before we got huge or whatever. <laughs> but like for a punk band, like I remember as a kid being like Naked Reagan, like that just pops. That's just a great name for mm-hmm. a band. And they always had the best like album covers or artwork or whatever. It was it kind of like. It was that, you know, Mad Max sort of like always kind of like, this is punk, mohawks and leather and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's it. I remember them playing in Chicago. I never got into them or their their style of music, but I did remember uh, first time I got like playing the Cubby Bear in the 90s was the ultimate. This is before House of Blues was it because it even existed. Mm-hmm. And so they were, they used to play there all the time in the 90s, right? Their Metro. And I think uh, Dave Grohl talked about that the first time he saw. Dave, God, Dave Grohl. Everyone talks about that show. Dave Grohl has beaten that drum so many times. <laughs> He'll always tell the story about how he went to Cubby Bear and Ray Gun saved his life or changed his life. <laughs> I went right. to both Foo Fighters shows, excuse me, last summer. It's hard to eat a po' boy and talk about this. Went to both Ray Gun, or Ray Gun shows, Foo Fighters shows, shows at Wrigley last summer. Grohl had the same patter down both nights. It was the same exact script Rehearsed. which on a related note if you're a big touring band change your set list if you're playing the same city for multiple nights <laughs> they did nights. the same set list both nights both nights uh, you gotta mix that up because you've gotta assume your real fans will probably find a way to go to both yeah, shows yeah you would think so you would think so so not only was it the same set list it was the same banter I thought okay I'm not buying it anymore yeah. I, I, it's I, a great I, story but I'm not feeling it because it's it's so scripted it's a weird thing with you know, like a celebrities or whatever. Like I love pro wrestling and I'll listen to these interviews by these mm-hmm. old guys all the time. And it's the same thing. They have the story down. They've told it a million times. Mm-hmm. They know the beats. It's almost like stand up. Like they've got yeah. it all figured out and you hear them and you're just like the first time you're like, Oh, what a great story. Uh-huh. And then the next time I have heard, then it's like, okay, man, you're just, you're just doing the hits. Like you, you start to wonder like, Oh, we're in Cleveland. I remember the first time I came to Cleveland, it's like, ah, oh, this is the Cleveland story. Here we go. Here we go. But yeah, I remember seeing that uh, Sonic Highways. He did the one on Chicago. Same story. Yeah. Same story. Mm-hmm. 
I can't believe the same pl- the same set list two nights in a row because you it's have to think diehards were there for both, and then I guess you just Especially have to go. Same yeah, city, yeah, it was good. It was still good. Yeah, change it up. Mm-hmm. What do you think of bands playing the whole album at a concert? I love album plays. I think it's a great idea. I, yeah, I just did an interview, excuse me, with uh, Richard Patrick of the band Filter, and this year is the 20th anniversary of Filter's title of record album, the one that had take a wow. picture, a mm-hmm. big, big breakthrough success for them, and they're going to go on the road. Uh, this was just a one-off that Filter did. They're going to go out on the road and do a 20th anniversary title of record tour where they play it start to finish. I like that. It just it's. It's exciting. It's yeah. An artist gets to present their complete vision, start to finish, for ill or well. I you know we're uh, about two blocks away from the Vic. About a month ago, I saw Adam Ant play the Friend or Foe album, start to finish. And that was super cool, and I forgot. Oh, there were some deep cuts in there that I really love, and it just what's what album was that one? Uh, Friend or Foe was the first solo album after the Ant, so that had um, Desperate but Not Serious, Goody Two Shoes, right, Crackpot right. History, and The Right to Lie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked yeah. about before we re- started oh, I'm recording. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to remember. What's that, Paul? No, I, I, I liked Adamant. He had a yeah. song, Beautiful, but that's way later, right? That was the 90s. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, here's, <laughs> here's a situation I encountered at work. People either know Adamant in his glory and his new wave history, or they know him as the one-hit wonder from the 90s. Goody two-shoes. Well, Goody yeah. Two Shoes was '80s, but you, if you know Wonderful, that was 1993, 1994. That was the comeback kind of. That was the comeback album. But I found that a lot of people, that colleagues of mine, had no idea that he even had a career before then, which makes me want to scream into the void. Because I love the Adam and the Ant stuff. I love that kind of Burundi drum stuff he had. Going I remember. At, I remember Goody Two Shoes in that album in the '80s, but I didn't know Adam and the Ants. So uh, my challenge to you, Paul, <laughs> after you leave here tonight, homework. Homework. I want you to listen to the song Ant Music. What is it called? Ant, Ant Music. Music. I will. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, too, with... Hey, will he really do that? Uh, yeah, legally okay. he, he has to. I okay, good. To. Um, but we have talked about sort of the album is gone. Like, now it's just you grab a song on it's, iTunes or Spotify or whatever. It's an a la carte culture. It yeah. really is. It's, it's different. It, which is a bummer for artists who create, who have this start-to-finish vision, and people just cherry-pick a song or two yeah. never actually that's why I like I, I gave up on vinyl for a while but I've come back to vinyl and I've beat this drum a lot on the podcast I like listening to records because you're kind of locked in for 15-20 minutes you are locked into that artist's ideas or that, that that vision for that period of time you can't fast forward you can't just carelessly skip you're you're keyed in that's what I like about that you're you are part of that world. Yeah, and I feel like it's just kind of like, trust me, if the artist, you know, as the artist, just like, trust me, this is the order of the songs. Yep. This is how it goes. I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to bring you down, you know? And I think if, if you do just have like one or two songs from somebody, it's tough to kind of really get a whole a whole idea of it. Sure. There are once in a while, like driving or if I'm walking on, I'll put on a whole album. And it is kind of like, especially when you get to the end, it almost feels like you accomplished something, which, yeah. you know, you just listen to music. That's no big deal. But you sort of get the whole idea. And I like a good, you know, after a slower song then a faster song oh, yeah. starts or something like that and I, lo- I love just kind of going on that ride totally agree well that, I think that whole idea of bands caring about the album order it was after CDs because people didn't even remember they didn't know song names anymore they'd right. be like number three and I'm guilty of it too because well, sure. I would be like wait what's the name of that song like number seven like I have that Adam Ant album and I know wonderful but I, don't, I didn't even know the name because I, I, I liked him I liked that song not the album but the song um, but uh, yeah, I think that there is something to be said for those artists. What do you think killed 
um, the album. Do you think it was the record labels that were just like in a rush to just be like, wait, we just need one hit? No, I, I think it, it's digital everything. The, the ability to get things a la carte, whether it was file sharing or streaming now, albums are kind of outmoded. I mean, it's just... But before, a, before even digital, if you go back to the 90s, right, there were there were artists that were putting out songs that only one they knew or they should have known i sound like a lawyer they knew or they should have <laughs> known that it was gonna people weren't gonna like the rest of the songs but they didn't care i think it I, seems, like, it seems like a, a, an overstatement how many times did you buy an album and you're like oh i love this song and then you'd go home and it would it would be horrible i remember there were certain cd stores where you could listen to the album before sure. and they people would do that you'd pay a little more at that place but you know, it was a risk and reward. Whereas you go to Best Buy or wherever, it was like nine ninety nine. You're like, sweet. And you'd buy The Farm. Remember the band The Farm? That's sure. a great example. They had that one song, Groovy Train or whatever. Uh, they had two. All Together Now was another hit All for Together them. Now, right. But that album was horrible. It was <laughs> well, I mean, a horrible I, album. I, of and course, I remember of that that turned me off. And I was like, and I remember I had to do a paper on why the record companies are getting killed. And this is when Napster and everything came out. It's because... We almost the record labels gave gave up on the consumer. They're like, you know what? We just want we just want to once buy the album, we don't care anymore. I think that not all. I think that's an overstatement. I mean, <laughs> you're inevitably you're going to find albums that suck that maybe have one or two shining moments, and the mm-hmm. rest is garbage. You could say that about any form of entertainment. Yeah, I really liked Breaking Bad as a TV show, but that Fly episode I thought was unwatchable, and that was garbage. It doesn't negate the fact that there was some good in there, but inevitably, you're, you can watch a movie and say, man, I, I really love the uh, Between Two Ferns movie on Netflix. The stuff they did with the celebrities was really funny, but man, the narrative was really stupid, and I kind of hated it, and it's not a good movie, but there are things I liked about it. So what's the third song on that farm CD? <laughs> Listen, I, I get credit for knowing the second. So that's impressive. Paul, mm-hmm. speaking of second songs, oh yeah, let's wow, get to that. Let's, let's do that. it, dude. All right, you, so that was very, thank you very, very much. radio. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, this one uh, is the Great Reactor by Blood People. It is. Female vocals. Ali Jados. Ali Jados. She's got this great, gravelly, just whiskey-soaked, weathered rock voice that I just, I love. And the, her, the band, the Blood People, is just an incredibly tight band. I've seen them live a couple times, most recently at Beat Kitchen, which is that way in Belmont. Um, and they just, they make the floors shake. They make the walls shake. She is so, t- Ali's a friend of mine. I've known her for, for years. We I book her through my music company on our solo stuff. <laughs> That's She's fun great. if you don't want to hear Paul talk. You just turn it up. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We need that. Yeah, I like that. Wait, the hook's coming up. There it is. That voice. Those drums, Mickey. My God. All right, go ahead, Paul. No, that's it. I, I, I liked. Did you ever listen to her when she had her solo stuff? I didn't. Okay. So how did you learn about this band? Uh, through my radio show. Submitted, yeah. and then you so you get fan. you obviously hear local bands of you know not just local bands but all sorts of new bands and stuff like that. Sure, uh, there have there had to been some where you're like, oh boy, this is going to be huge, and then oh no, I, I I went through that in the '90s where I thought that about a lot of bands and was 
incredibly wrong. I, I don't assume that about anything anymore. anymore you're just, yeah, I felt yeah. like in the 90s it was like stock market. like It was almost like playing stocks. Like oh, you yeah, just and got we'll, in we'll get to that because there's an artist on this list where that'll be a springboard for that. Um, but yeah, I, the calculus of what creates fame, what allows for an artist to go to that next level... I don't understand, especially in the modern day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's different now, but in the 90s, you kind of had your finger on the pulse in terms of knowing what artists were going to do well. And it wasn't just the music, but it was having good heads on their shoulders and mm-hmm. stuff like that too, right? Yeah, I mean, th- there's a lot that, that went into it. I mean, I think um, I just watched, uh, talking about that Filter show, Johnny Radke was playing guitar with Filter, and he was in Kill Hanna back in the day. And I remember watching Kill Hanna, and they seemed like they had the entire package. They really had... A bandality about them, a, a look, a very clear image of who they are and what their mystique was. Well, they put out all their stuff independently. They, they did a lot of things right, but there was a lot that went into it. And look and vision, I think, had a lot to do with it. Yeah, above and beyond the music. They, I think some, the you, savviness. Did you ever see uh, the movie Josie and the Pussycats? No, it's not a good movie. <laughs> no. Although people try to say it is a good movie, and they're like, it really talked about like the '90s music and all this stuff or whatever, like going into the 2000s or whatever. But there's a scene where they're walking by, and the guy kind of pictures like that's the CD cover, mm-hmm. and it is like you see certain bands, and you're just like, oh man, whoever. Like I remember seeing bands open for bands I went to see, and you're just like, oh, this they've got it all. They've got like yeah. the look and the, the sound and everything, and you think like they'll be the next big thing. And I kind of think we've we have gotten away from. There used to be, you know, like. Spin and Rolling Stone were sure. so important. Like alternative, all these music magazines are important. There were the radio was the was like the tastemaker. Yeah. MTV was the tastemaker. You know, and then I just felt like there were times where you would just get like bombarded, and you're like, you wouldn't know a band, and then a week later, you're like, oh, they were on this TV show. They were on Saturday Night Live. They were this. Yeah. They were this, and they just like, they you were getting hit from like every platform, and you're like, I guess filters the new band now. Well, you're talking about something that I've hit on a few times on the podcast. That idea of curation. Mm-hmm. There was a very clear curation of music back then. I think now the irony is you can find whatever you want to on the internet. Every song, every artist, whatever you're looking for, it's there. The difference now is you don't know where to go or what specifically. There's too many choices. Too many choices. Like Netflix, you can just scroll and scroll. Too many choices, but not enough guidance as yeah. to where to go. I mean, I've, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music or Google Play Music. I find that the recommendation engines are not you all like that good. This. Yeah, they never. It's not good. They never nail it, and you would think algorithmically they'd be able to spit out a, a perfect array yeah. or, or list of artists for me to dig into. That's not the case. So, you know, radio for its various foibles back then was able to at least lob up a bunch of that stuff for oh, yeah. people to consider. Yeah. And you know, to your point, it was in concert with the music press. You know, whether it was alternative press or Spin or Rolling Stone or whatever. Did no. you ever give anybody a bad review and they were took it very personally? I was Did you very have a message ca- left by Ryan Adams on you. <laughs> no, I was always very careful to not. I mean, I, I might have said snarky things back in my younger days, um, but I, I, I tried not to be shitty about bands. I had. Uh, I, I think I told Marty this story, but uh, Shisha and Boy Productions, we were a music company, or one stop shop for bands in the for years. And uh, they would send us packages. There was a period of time where we get 10, 20 CDs a month. Sure. So we were managing, booking, everything. And there were a couple of bands that I never got, I never understood. But I, I when I was cleaning out my my uh, my room, I saw their stuff. And two of the bands that we were like, hey, we're going to pass on working with you guys, have ended up being the two biggest bands in Chicago, to come out of Chicago in recent years. I can say one of them because I, t- I talked to them about it, but Fall Out Boy was one of them. Mm. And, uh, you know, 
Sometimes you call them, sometimes you're wrong. Exactly. But I was never the. I, but the funny thing is, is I have those emails where I said, you know, uh, you guys are really. Ta- I was never a dick or anything. But I. But I was like, yeah, I was very wrong. But uh-huh. I wouldn't know what to do with them either. And like we talked before, you know, Swizzle Swizzle Tree was a band that I, mm-hmm. I was friends with, and but I didn't understand it. But I knew they were talented. So. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, they were part of that whole scene that yeah, was with the emergence. We'll talk. About, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's next? But <laughs> I do want to talk about Kill Hanny, though. That was a band that I thought was going to be huge. They, I um, mean, they came close. I mean, they, they really they got the, the Atlantic Records deal. Yeah. I remember back in the day, uh, this is probably 99 or 2000, Carson Daly called me because I was involved with, uh, at the time, Local 101 on Q101, and he had his own record label. And he wanted wow. he wanted to get the skinny on Kill Hanny because he was thinking about signing them. And I, I, of course, talked them up. Then I hung up and I thought, that's about the weirdest thing that I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life. Yeah. And I was driving on Columbus Drive, and I'm on my cell phone, you know, of course, handheld as I was driving, uh, talking to Carson Daly about these guys who I've known for a couple years. Yeah. It was nuts. Who else were on his record label? Do you know? I don't even know. Yeah. I, I, I don't even I don't, remember what the name of the label. was. I didn't know he had a label, but it does. But yeah, he was, me. you know, before. I mean, but he was the like what K Rock guy before he was MTV exactly. guy. K Rock okay. was always like the farm team for MTV and success. Yeah, yeah, interesting. The farm team, I like that. And now one not, of the not guys, the farm who created all together now. <laughs> all together now, the second. That would have been right. perfect if that was your next song, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's not. Unfortunately, it's, it Paul, is. tell him what the next song is. The next song is uh, my nose is running. Bad form by cancer. I've never. Did I say it right? Gancer? Cancer. Yeah. I've never heard of this band. Uh, uh, female fronted, post punk stuff. Uh, angular. Sounds like walking into the empty bottle at like three o'clock in the morning. Yes. That's a very. Yeah, they're great. I mean, I love this kind of artistic, post punk type vibe. They just played Riot Fest a couple uh, a couple years ago, a couple weeks ago. But I, I included this song and this band just to show that indie rock is alive and well in Chicago. And furthermore, guitars are alive and well. I, talking about the way things are curated nowadays, nowadays um, there's a real focus on pop-based material. But the majority of the stuff I get is guitar, bass, and drums and some pre- some permutation of that. This band rocks, but they're also experimental and artistic and cool. And I mean, I feel cooler listening to this. So I mean, that's yeah, fe- a, like a good female singer too, and uh-huh. with this type of music, is just like it's just extra. It just to me, it just sounds like extra cool. Hey, there's I, something vaguely sexual when you yeah, listen to this. It, yeah. There's just and I, it's, I, it's erotically charged. And you like you mentioned, like I think there, you know, in every genre, there's always like, oh, it's the end of this, and there's no more this. But it's like you said, like there are people who are like, yeah, guitars are gone. It's all electronic. It's like no, 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 nope. no. no. First of all, a lot of those songs, you have to have a guitar to write a lot of these songs to begin with. But, like, this music will never go out of style. There will no. always be, like, a 14-year-old kid who will hear this and just be like, I don't know I what it is about this song, but I'm, I I dig this. Uh-huh. And, that, and that, that, to me, is just, like, certain songs, you know, just, you'll hit you and you'll be like, no, there's no way this form of music will go away to where it's all just going to be electronic music. This is not, this is not possible. Yeah, so I, I included this just because... This to me sounds exciting. This to me is just artistic. It, it's challenging in its own way. 
and it's just plain cool. How are they live? Have you seen them live? Yeah, they're great. Yeah, sounds like they'd be a good live band. Uh huh. What time? Where Where did they play on Riot Fest? They played it. Uh, they played early. I forgot which stage. Uh, I forgot the name of the stage. Uh, they played early on the third day. Okay. Right. And That's then I uh, did a show with them at House of Blues two years ago, and they're great. That's great. I like her voice. I think it's pretty cool. It's like, uh, not Courtney Barnett, but kind of like uh, monotone in some ways. You know what I mean? It's like, a, it's got an edge to it. Oh, definitely. How did you feel like with like a, a fest like Riot Fest where you have new bands, old bands? How do you sort of, you split it up? You try to make sure you see the new stuff as, as much as the old stuff? I do. I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, I, I find with Riot Fest, there are a couple bands, obviously, you know you're going to plan to see. I, I find events like that much more fun if you kind of wing it mm-hmm. and fall into stuff. The more you try to regiment your weekend, the more stressful it becomes and the less fun it becomes. How do you how do you feel like new bands can sort of stick out in like a a setting like Riot Fest or you know Lollapalooza or whatever? Like how what what you know how I mean, do you to be, to be clear? I hate Lollapalooza. Oh, cool. Yeah. Why? Really. Well, I, I, I want to hear your reasoning. But. I, because I'm over 18. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I was on the bus when all these p- people were coming back from Lollapalooza, and it made me feel so old. But I was like, no, but I would love it if I was 18. But, but now like, I'm just like, nah. I think I think the last two uh, two or three years on the lineups, they're trying to wean out the our generation of bands. But if you go back three or four years ago, uh, they had some really good bands that... I, that that I thought would be first of all, know, four days is too much. I Absolutely. agree with that. That was a stupid move on there. Two part. is enough. <laughs> really Two's is. plenty. But there were so many. Like, <coughs> I mean, uh, this year I didn't get to. This is the first year I haven't gone in years, and, and the only reason I go is because I, I I like the backs, the VIP section. They, they, you have those bathrooms that are air conditioned. <laughs> the most bougie thing you'll hear on <laughs> oh, this podcast. Yeah, they have a, open bars, and you get to. No, I actually like to be on stage. With like the because a lot of the bands that I wanted to see when I'd go like three three years ago, Strand of Oaks, Strands of Oak, and uh, I was right on the stage watching them, and that's something that's surreal for me to see mm-hmm. a band that I really love and followed from the beginning, and uh, those are the kind of things I like to see. But I wanted to, but the last three years I looked at the list, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know any of these bands. It's just it, it's it seems very narrowly focused, genre wise. I I can't abide by Ariana Ariana Grande. As a headliner, that's just a big yeah, main, was, mainstream pop crazy. festival. It's not. It's not for me. I did want to see Childish Gambino, though. I've never seen him live. So. Whenever I see like the <laughs> concert poster for like a tour, like a Lollapalooza festival, and they have like the big giant names, then they get a little smaller. Then uh-huh. I wonder the like back and forth of emails of like how big is our name? Oh, we oh, need to dude, be bigger. You know. I could only imagine like we have to be up every time so-and-so. I see that. I'm like, oh, how is that name bigger than that? Well, name? and you have a band like Chevelle playing Lollapalooza. Oh yeah, you know. Fantastic standby band from the far north suburbs in this lineup that they really don't belong in. They, they were kind of this square peg round hole, this rock band, this accomplished, you know, gold record selling rock yeah. band in the middle of DJs and pop. And I don't know what the benefit is to Chevelle to be on that lineup that where you probably aren't making new fans and your actual fans don't want to go. Well, I think I, the same thing about the. Do you remember? I don't know if it was three or four years ago. They had the band Live, mm-hmm. and did you did you do you remember Live? Like, why do were I they on do Live? You, do you remember the nineties? Remember the nineties? Yeah. Live was this. I mean, they were on the bill, and I remember seeing them. I was like, who, the, 
how are they benefiting here? <laughs> Paul yeah, wants to raise his hand in between songs. I have a question. Uh, yeah. How are you benefiting from this? It was. It was. And, like, and are you uh, gonna play Lakini's Juice? Today? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, and, and I mean, because there's like comedy clubs or, or shows that we'll do as comedians, and you don't want to do it, but the money's good, so you do yeah, it, and exactly. you and a little part of you dies inside when you're on that stage, but you do it. And I'm sure that's how it is. Like, if it's just like, hey, you got offered Lollapalooza, who knows? Maybe somebody who's buying the bands liked you and wants yeah. to book you. Or, hey, if you want Pop Princess, you also have to take, you know, live or something that's like true. that. That's true. It could who be knows? the same agency. But that, yeah, it would kind of suck every day. You're just like, I'm not like Lollapalooza's on tour anymore, but if it was, like, to just be like, yeah, we play at 11 every day. Nobody really listens. <laughs> but then we watch other bands all you know, day. And it, it is different. There is, I mean, it. It's kind of cliche to pit the two against each other, but Riot Fest is so different, and I feel like there there is a certain sameness and spirit of attendees that they will listen to, consume, and support the bands that they don't know. They're mm-hmm. excited to see. I don't know if that's true at Lollapalooza. And you know, going back to the why don't I like Lollapalooza, I think one of the things that completely lost me was McCartney a couple years ago. Nothing against the Beatles, nothing against McCartney. When they announced him as a headliner, I don't know what that festival is anymore. Yeah, I that's really, a weird. That was a weird, real weird. I saw that. I was there for that show. I was like, ah, this doesn't make and sense. And I saw him, you know, a couple years later at uh, Tinley Park, uh, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Thought he was great. That was the place to see McCartney in. But it was funny because if you went to, did you see that show? When he no. Was, whoever was, I forgot who was playing on the other side. But it was like Vampire Weekend or whatever. But because of the way he plays, you could hear it. Sure. Even being close up. Sometimes you wonder if it's they're like we need our 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 fans should listen to this music like we're the curators mm-hmm. you're gonna come see this show and when you tell your parents you're going and there's this guy Paul McCartney they're gonna go oh you're gonna love it but I think that completely flies in the face of like rock music of like being like there's this old guy that's gonna play and you're gonna love him it's uh-huh. like I don't think that's it's weird I do see those bills sometimes and you're just like sell me the why would I go to this why uh-huh. these bands or whatever and then others you see and you're like that's perfect but it is, it is interesting you know I have a kid in high school very much into rock and metal he was totally down for going to Riot Fest this year he was excited about seeing The Who The HU uh, Rise Against Slayer uh, a lot of other bands and I said is anyone from your school going to Riot Fest he's like they don't even know Riot Fest exists all they listen to is pop and country yeah, Ugh. which is, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, I remember when I was playing songs on the radio for people in high school. It was very different. Yeah, but it's it's so crazy how country has dominated that youth now. Because when we were, when I was in school, I know Marty went to Indiana, so they had country. But like in Chicago, nobody, well, we've covered <laughs> this already, right, Marty? Like, yeah. I, but we nobody cool listened to country. Even but when the, Garth Brooks came out and it was like blowing up, nobody. But I think the it. country that James is talking about, that it's the kids pop. at your school, it's just like it's just even pop. the country, even country fans would be like, that's not yeah. country. It's like fast food country but music. It's so, it's so bad, but it's so. But you hear it. They have like you'll hear like a record scratch in the back, and there's like a beat, <laughs> exactly. on, and it's just like this so is no country Shaggy's music. Shaggy's on this song. Anybody? Yeah, right, right. Like they'll have like a rap. You're gonna interlude with like a rapper or something like that. Like you're just like this is not exactly country music. And I I think it's just one of those things of just you know you you just like anybody how they came. You know, kids just like I'm in sixth grade and I listen to you know whatever the hippest band is or whatever it's like you listen to your bad music then you kind of get into the better music or whatever no, i think in in high school that what you listen to shapes you significantly i think if you were listening to shitty music back then um it's gonna affect you you're gonna be a <laughs> shitty person when you get older those are the people that listen to limp biscuit they're that's 
but I, I mean, I, I, I know listened a lot to of, Limp Biscuit, and I, I know. I was not a shitty person. I, <laughs> I just I know it paired of, well with wrestling, and I enjoyed it. I, I know a lot of recovering Limp Biscuit fans. Yeah. Well, that was a bad example. But my point is that, like, country, even in Chicago, talking about fest, the, the country fest, smoke fest or whatever, that thing is huge now. Yeah. It, when it first started here, I remember it was, like, one street, part of a street. Now it's, like, mm-hmm. taking over the city. And all these people, you know when it's in town because all these people come in there. Hey, right? Paul, speaking of what's taking over the city, our number four track. This band actually did take over the they city. They took over the city. Harpoon, AM Taxi. So AM Taxi, you mentioned Swizzle Tree earlier. There was that emergent scene in the late 90s from the suburbs. Downers Grove, Naperville, about to hit the post. Uh, Naperville, that whole area. Uh, they would bust their fans in. And they... To Metro and... There you go. Adam Cryer's voice. Uh, and they they built this following. They would they built a scene, basically. They, they'd bring their fans into the city. They, they made it so that they had an impact on the city. Lucky Boy's Confusion was really the, the leader of that. Uh, Plain White Tees grew out of that scene. And Adam Cryer of Lucky Boy's Confusion, a couple years after Lucky Boy's broke, did his thing with American Taxi, AM Taxi. And they had their major label moment. And that was early aughts. This band is still going. They just put out an album called Shiver By Me, which is as good as anything you'll hear. This song is on there. This song is on there, Harpoon. Uh, this is as good as anything you'll I hear like all it. year. Uh, it's kind of like Americana-tinged punk rock. And I wanted to include this because Adam's kind of straddled a couple decades with Lucky Boys, with AM Taxi, and he's still making music I think is vital, I, that I think is highly listenable. I saw the band at Reggie's a few months ago, and they were tight They're and great. great and wonderful. Yeah, it's a... This album, there, there's a handful of songs on there that I like and I've played on the radio. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. And it's just nice. He's kind of become an elder statesman on the music scene now, but uh, still making fantastic music. I remember when they, when he was in Lucky Boys. I mean, those guys, the 